0: that with the 1042 project is it doesn't matter where you are in your journey Mm -hmm. if you just got hired or you just got fired I don't care if you're in prison for something you did wrong I don't care if you're a new officer we don't care we care about you the person not you the first responder Um, there's no guilt or shame here in the 1042 project you'll find out as you hear about my story and as I go through my story guilt and shame held me in the depths of hell for years, for about 10 years.
1: absolutely, And
0: there is no guilt and shame here. We will not allow it.
1: Hey everyone, this is Christina and Daniel Deffenbaugh with the 1042 Project. And welcome to the first episode of the Shared Voices podcast. We are so excited to have you here and we are so excited to be here.
0: Yes, it's uh, been a journey. We've been at this for two years, not the podcast, but the 1042 Project's been up for two years. And this is part of the... Part of the 1042 Project that we had not got launched, and I'm excited to get it going.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm excited that we're here, and it, it feels right. Yes. The timing is good. God is good.
0: Absolutely. 1042 Project, what is that anyway?
1: So, 10, <laughs> yes, 1042 Project is a faith-based 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we serve to or we exist to serve first responders and their family members. We really want you to think of us as a confidential ally. We're on your side. We're here to support you. And um, we also, so we accomplish that a couple of ways. Number one is through this way right here. Um, This is our digital content. Um, You can watch this podcast. You can listen to this podcast. um, Whatever's more convenient for you. But we really lean in lean into this um this way of showing up because you can listen to this podcast or watch it wherever you are whenever it works for you and nobody has to know and we really care about privacy and confidentiality
0: absolutely and that's why we're, we're doing the podcast that's why 1042 started and we want people mm-hmm. to when they're struggling um Or maybe they're a new officer and they just want to become equipped. We want to provide them with a resource library of of podcast videos Mm -hmm. um, that they can go to. And when they're struggling, maybe they get off a bad fire call. They're laying in their bunk and they're, you know, they're really struggling. They Mm -hmm. can pull out their phone and go to our website and listen to a podcast or watch a podcast and get a little bit of hope right then and there. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the other way that we want to show up for your first responders and family members um, is through the community that we're building and um, the resources that we can connect you to. If you have a barrier in front of you that's keeping you from moving forward, whether that's um, financial, let us know and we'll work with you to remove that barrier to get you to the resource that you're ready to move forward with. For some people, it's a social barrier, um, which really is related to the stigma that's associated with first responders reaching out for help. Um, And that's something that's huge that we are fighting against in all of our conversations with people that we're having. um, It sounds like the tide is turning, we're making progress, but we really would just love to have you just join our community and um, just partner with us in moving forward and fighting the stigma against first responders reaching out because um, that's just... It's not something that that should exist, really. It shouldn't right. be. It shouldn't be there. It's just not fair,
0: right? Kind of like a ten forty two project is like we're the bridge, right? There's mm-hmm. the first responders that are out there. There's the resources that are out there for them. Mm-hmm. They're not finding each other, yeah. right? That's the biggest problem we see besides the stigma. Yeah, they're not finding each other. So that's what we want to do is is to connect those two. We want to be that bridge in between the two. Yeah, exactly. To where there's clear communication, and that's why we're starting this podcast so we can. You know, we can meet with all the different resources that are out there for our first responders mm-hmm. and we can talk to them, figure mm-hmm. out what type of you know help they can provide, what it looks like, um, kind of remove some of the fear and the unknown that goes with some of the treatments that's out there. Mm-hmm. We just want to be that bridge. Simply, yeah. that's what 1042 Project is. It's a bridge for the first responders and the resources.
1: Yep, Exactly. And another thing that we get to do with this podcast is highlight first responder stories uh, just so you can understand how much you aren't alone. There truly is a community of people that understand what you're going through, uh, what you're dealing with, and really just want to partner with you in that uh, so you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I lost my train of thought already.
1: No, you're good. You're good. Um, So the next thing that we want to share with you guys is what you can expect, what um, this is going to look like moving forward. So um, obviously we're going to be... um, putting out podcast episodes and you can see that on our youtube channel you can go to our website uh, check out our social media those are all good ways to um, get in touch with our digital content
0: yeah the podcast will be on all the major streaming streaming services all of them um, you know apple stitcher all the google podcast all the big ones Mm -hmm. Um, we'll put them on all those and uh, yeah our youtube channel
1: yeah and then 1042 project uh just as a whole as an organization uh one of the things that we do is travel the country to different first responder conferences um those are really great things to attend because there's typically a pretty good wealth of resources um available yeah. at those at those convention what am i trying to say conferences, conferences. excuse me yes yeah. um there's resources there so you get to talk to them while you're attending, which is a great opportunity and really just hear directly from the resource. And we like to attend those as a resource, but also just attend to connect with other resources and first responders that are there. And we'd love to bring you with us. Um, That's something that we are excited that we get to do and bring first responders to these types of Types of events, and I know Daniel. When you first went to a conference, that was life changing for you.
0: It was, yeah. And not only do we want you to come to the conference, we want you to bring your spouse yeah. because this is a full family approach. And uh, hold remind, ask me that question in, in a minute, but I also want to say that um, the uh, when we talk about re- removing some of the the barriers that are up, um, one of them is expense, and and. That's one of the things the 1042 Project does. We're actively fundraising and filing for grants to help first responders when they reach out where finances are a barrier. um, We can help them as the money comes in. Obviously, it's not unlimited, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're actively fundraising. We're going to continue to fundraise so our first responders don't have that barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, So that being said, when it comes to conferences, if people can afford to that, cannot afford to come to it, Mm -hmm. we would like to when the, you know, if the funds are available, pay for them to come and then their spouse to join us. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to mention that, that yeah, I know financial barriers can be a lot. You know, you're talking about traveling the country, going to conferences and stuff.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so when you went to your first conference, do you just want to share a little bit about your takeaways and what you thought? Um, and I guess how you felt while you were there.
0: First of all, it was great. It was in Illinois. It was at the Illinois peer support, um, And it was fabulous. I got invited um, by a friend who runs another nonprofit called Heroes Comfort. He uh, invited me to go. And honestly, I had been out of law enforcement at that point for nine years or so. Anyway, so and and when I left law enforcement, I didn't feel like I was I wasn't part of the I didn't feel like I was part of the law enforcement community anymore. I kind of felt like an outcast. Um. I was really kind of afraid to do anything that was law enforcement related. But when I got invited to that conference in Illinois, as soon as I walked in the door, I had never felt so welcome mm-hmm. and met so many like-minded people that I just fell at home. And I mean, the walls that I had put up prior to going to the conference had completely fell literally within five or 10 minutes. It was, it was so cool. And uh-huh. then the whole conference, was just got better and better and better. Mm -hmm. um i'm sure you remember me calling you yes (laughs) yeah i just really enjoyed it and um so since then we decided as an organization we want to give that to other people Mm -hmm. yeah so it's 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 very empowering
1: yeah absolutely
0: and you know we want people to know that with the 1042 project is It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. Mm -hmm. If you just got hired or you just got fired, I don't care if you're in prison for something you did wrong. I don't care if you're a new officer. We don't care. We care about you, the person, not you, the first responder. Um, There's no guilt or shame here in the 1042 project. You'll find out as you hear about my story and as I go through my story, guilt and shame held me in the depths of hell for years, for about 10 years. Absolutely. And there is no guilt and shame here. We will not allow it. Um, I will share my story openly and honest. And there's a lot of um, not fun things to talk about in there. You yeah. know, you talk about alcoholism and pain pill addiction mm-hmm. and, you know, depression, depression PTSD, suicide, mm-hmm. ideation, suicide planning. Um, And I just want people to know that this is the safe place. This is the place where you can come and you can hear people talk open and honest about the realness of life. Yeah. And not the stuff that we just want people to see. Yeah. Um we want to, uh, what am I trying to say?
1: Um, I think just that we're going to talk about the things that a lot of people don't want to talk about.
0: Yeah. And there's no guilt or shame. And that's Ryan. the big thing because I know that held me back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with PTSD, and I, at least this is my understanding, um, right, there is no healing from it. You don't completely just go get a treatment and you never deal with PTSD again. Maybe that's some people's cases, you know, to me it's not like a men in black where you hold the pin up Mm -hmm. and you just erase somebody's memory. Um, it's a journey and we, there's tools that are out there that you have to put on your tool belt Mm -hmm. and to use those tools when you need them. Um, that's what's going to help me along the way. Um, but it's, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, it's, we, uh, can I tell a story from the other day, or do you want to tell the story from the other day? It's I just think... funny because PTSD and I got ADHD, so I have that too. So you see me kind of moving around a lot. So ADHD with PTSD, fun combo. Fun combo. Should yeah. write a book about that. Um. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's living with me can be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm well, sure and,
1: and we want everyone to feel like they know us too. So yeah, yeah. Because we and are kind of just we're silly.
0: We are and. Yeah, sometimes I'm not aware of my surroundings.
1: It's a good snapshot of what it's like to take you to the grocery store.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna go to our story here in just a little bit, but this, um, yeah. So
1: I think you should tell your side first.
0: All right. So we're at her and I are at the grocery store the other day, and we have a cart. We're just grabbing a few things, and she has the cart. Just has a couple things in it, and I gave her the cart because she was going to go look for something while well, I went to the meat counter. I yeah. The meat and counter. we
1: even discussed it too. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll take the cart. <laughs> You'll take the <laughs> cart.
0: So I go up to the meat counter and, oh, I love that place. So I order the, get the steaks I want and, and get them. And I turn around and the cart, our carts there. Magically. Yeah. You left it there for me, apparently. Weird. So I put, put it in the cart and continued to go shopping. And as I'm pushing the cart, I'm kind of going down the aisle I'm about two, maybe two aisles in, and I'm looking down in the cart, and I'm like, what is this stuff in this cart? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. We didn't get this stuff. I'm confused. So then it dawns on me, like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you I stole. stole. Some, I stole somebody's cart. <laughs> so I'm freaking out at this point. I realize what I've done, and I'm trying to find you. I don't know why I need to tell you before I took the cart back, but anyway.
1: No, you'd returned it by the time you came over to me.
0: So I go sprinting back to the meat counter with the stranger's cart. And I get back there, and there's nobody in that like 20-foot area where I got the cart. (laughs) So I just place it there, and I go jogging away from it to get away from the cart. And then I realize I left my stuff. Left the (laughs) meat in the and in had the car, so I had to go jogging back. As I'm looking around, like somebody's like looking for me. I'm sure.
1: Are there witnesses? Are there
0: witnesses? So I, yeah, I pick it up, grab the meat, and get the heck out of the down a different aisle and escape to go find you. But then when we left, I I still feel bad because when I left, I was like as we were walking out, I saw the cart that I stole being pushed <laughs> by a gentleman, and one or two things. Either he thought I was crazy, or he thought he was losing his mind. Yeah. But I just can't believe I was that unaware. But that kind of stuff happens with me all the time. But then when I was thinking about it, once I saw the guy pushing the cart and I realized who he was, because I'm always aware of my surroundings as part of the first responder. You know, I'm yeah. a police officer. and aware of my surroundings. So as I go to think about it, in my mind, I'm like, as soon as I saw the guy, I'm like, okay, he was down by the seafood area. Had his back to me. So then I was able to put where the guy was. So I was aware of that, but I was not aware of whose card I was stealing.
1: Yeah. I think that uh, your <laughs> observations of your environment around you, that was that was detailed, but your observations of what you felt like was already yours yeah, was not quite so thorough. Yeah. <laughs> but I would just like to highlight the awesomeness of my side of the story because i got to just sit back and laugh at you and you come literally running up to me (laughs) saying babe i am so embarrassed i'm so embarrassed
0: if i only didn't do that kind of stuff all the time literally where we're filming at right now right before we recorded i went to go fix something Uh with the sound in a different room and a water line came off and water went everywhere it's just that's it's just kind of my life. I'm embracing it. <laughs> the
1: choice of, yes, the choice of doing life with Daniel. You will yeah. always be surprised. You said from day one that you'd keep me on my toes.
0: I told you. you' are keeping you on your toes.
1: You have held up your end of the deal.
0: Wow. Anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah. Moving on.
0: So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into my story. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why we're going to do it is I think it's important for the people at home who have never dealt with PTSD to kind of know what it's like um, what it can look like. It's not the yeah. same for everybody, what it can look like right? and how it impacted my life mm-hmm. um, and how I handled it wrong. And I really want to just kind of dive into certain areas and just kind of dissect it and talk about um, maybe the proper way of handling it, going through it. And we'll just kind of tell my story. And I also want people to understand, you know, the first responders that are s- struggling right now with PTSD or any other mental health issues, I just want them to know that they're understood, that I understand them, I get it, I live it every day, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, still having bad thoughts to apparently stealing grocery carts in, this, in the store. <laughs> um, so we just kind of want to go through it and we're going to try to break these episodes down to around 25, 30 minutes, maybe 20, 30 minutes, um, try to be respectful of everybody's time. So we'll have to do this in segments, in segments. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and jump right in it, into it, and I'll stop stalling.
1: All right. Ready for it? Yep. So, when did your career start?
0: I started my career in 2000. Mm-hmm. I was, I went to, I got out of high school and went to a two-year college. Just a two-year tech school for law enforcement. It's called police science, and I went there for two years, and when I was 20 years old, I started applying for jobs here in Iowa, and I took a job with the Indianola Police Department in March of 2000, and uh, as a 20-year-old kid, um, coming into law enforcement, I thought I was prepared, I thought I was equipped, mm-hmm. not that anybody equipped me, not that there was any preparation, just me thinking, I can do this on my own, I'm a superhero, other cops do it, I can do it. Yeah. Um, so I went and feeling equipped and I shortly, very shortly learned that I was not equipped and really who could be equipped, right?
1: Right. Yeah. For stuff like that, yeah. no, you can't be equipped for that. I don't think, you know what I mean? Like, I think you can know about it and know that it's coming, but does that really like prepare you for experiencing it?
0: I don't know. It didn't prepare me. Um, you know, I was, I'd gotten out of the academy. I turned 21 in the academy. Um, and then I got out and then I was on my own. And shortly after being on my own, you know, thinking this job's just going to be like it is on TV, just like to show cops, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm working and there's a call that comes in. I have a deer in the road outside of city limits. It's the county's jurisdiction. And uh, the deputy was en route and had asked for me to head that direction because mm-hmm. I was on that side of town. So I drove out there, and it's a dark, rainy night, and uh, this kind of a horror horror movie, really. Yeah. Um, so I'm driving down this road, and I'm trying to drive slow to try to find the deer, and I go around a curve, and then around another curve, and it goes, I come up over the hill. There's something in the road, but it's not a deer. Um, it was a, a young man, um, roughly around my age or a little younger, who had been hit and killed in the middle of the road on a dark rainy night and I get out and look at the scene and I really quickly realize that I'm not equipped. I looked down at this body and bodies aren't supposed to look like that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm scared. I'm by myself looking at this oh, yeah. deceased body, Absolutely. not knowing who did it. And if the, if that vehicle is still around, mm-hmm.
1: um, and p- also the shock of, you thought it was a deer, you know what yeah. I mean? Like th- that right there, it would be a shock, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Cause yeah, in my mind, I thought I was going to find a deer and right. that wasn't the case. Um, so not to go too far into the call. Um, after that call, I was like vibrating inside mm-hmm. and I had like tunnel vision, and I just didn't feel, feel myself. So here I am, 21 years old. I go, and I finish my shift. And I remember for the first time in my life um, going to buy alcohol to numb the pain that I was feeling inside. And when I got off my shift that day, that's the first thing I did is I drove, and I got a six-pack for the full, sole purpose of numbing it. Um, eventually, that six-pack would turn into bottle of vodka obviously starts off Mm -hmm. little and turns into a lot but that was the first time I can look back now with a healthy mind you know during when I was going through this I didn't recognize it I'm looking back now with a healthy mind a renewed mind and I can see things now how God sees me Mm -hmm. not how the how I thought everybody else saw me or how I saw myself yeah um sorry I'm losing my train of thought
1: no that you're you're good but um I do want to, I guess, reflect on on that a little bit because so really that's where the self-medicating started. You know, you experienced this very traumatic event and had no idea how to care for yourself, how to process that, how to handle what you were feeling inside. and, And drinking is so socially accepted. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, it's just so easy for right. people to turn to that. And it's so common.
0: Yeah. And I had seen, you know, throughout my life, alcohol used to me. Alcohol wasn't. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It was very common. Right. In it was life. normalized. Normalized. Yeah. yeah. So not like alcohol was new to me at the time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It was just. Traumatic event, my brain immediately thinks, well, I know how to take care of this. Let's go get some booze, go home. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even talk to my family. I didn't even talk to my wife at the time about it. Really? No. You
1: didn't mention it at all?
0: I don't think I did. Or if I did, it was I maybe mentioned it, but just act like it was no big deal and blew it off.
1: Why so? Do you know?
0: Um <laughs> I didn't want to deal with it, I guess. Yeah. I knew I already knew what I was feeling inside and I felt like telling my spouse at the time. No offense to her, she would have asked more questions and more questions and mm-hmm. and then we would have been talking about it and talking about it, which probably would have been the right thing to do, but yeah. in my mind that was way overwhelming.
1: Yeah.
0: Way overwhelming. Like I was already emotionally like inside balling. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So again, I did everything the wrong way. I yeah. grabbed the booze, I went home.
1: Yeah, so you were already it sounds like you were already so overwhelmed and struggling with what you were experiencing inside that you were just trying to run away from it. Yep.
0: That was. And it and again, as you hear my story, this is all this is all my fault. I did this to myself. These were my choices.
1: Not intentionally, though. So that's something to point out too that was like it, at no point, well, in the beginning anyway, right? Were you trying to self sabotage. You know, you were just trying to feel better. Right. You're just trying to make it through. And you weren't trying to hurt yourself or anybody else around you. You just didn't know how to navigate that and with the methods that were chosen, right? It, like now we know um didn't support a healthy healing process right. and and took you down a, down a dark path, but I just want to illustrate though that it wasn't intentional.
0: No, but it was still, I, I I guess I said that because I just want to take full responsibility. Like, yeah. I don't ever blame, I don't ever, I'm never one of those guys that blame my supervisors or blame the department or blame the coworkers or, mm-hmm. you know, to blame the system or anything. Is
1: Yeah. Of it, your own free will, was, you chose what you chose.
0: It was. And and here's the thing. My story is not uncommon. It's mm-hmm. very common. Oh, yeah. Right. It's very, very common. Um, I lost my train of thought again.
1: Just that your story is common. Yeah, d- yeah, and it's very
0: common and that what I was doing was what a lot of other people were doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people still do to this day. Yeah. Um, because when you don't have the tools or the right way to do something, you're going to try to figure it out on your own. And yeah. those are usually, um, that's usually not productive.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to, I guess, learn from that experience and reflect on it in a more positive light, what would you have done differently. If you could go back, how would you have handled that situation? Um,
0: any other way but that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, probably the first thing, you know, it's easy to say what I would have done, but I don't know what the people around me would have reacted either. You know? So I probably should have talked to, you know, another officer about it before I went home, at least voiced it. What happened? Mm -hmm. Um, I should went home and talked to my spouse about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I should have allowed myself to feel the way I was feeling instead of trying to suppress it yeah. and push it down and drowned it with booze. Mm-hmm. Um, I was back then. I was the type of person that I could ignore anything. At least I thought I could ignore a problem; it'd go away. Oh, yeah. So sweep it under the rug, right? So had I just addressed it, then understood what happened and the truth behind it and how it affected me. I think I could have moved forward better. Yeah. Um.
1: So it sounds like really just leaning into your support systems. Yeah. Instead of trying to hold it inside and pretend like it didn't. Yeah.
0: Happen. And, to, and to not hide it from everybody. What was yeah. the point of hiding it? Why was I hiding it? You know, it's yeah. not like.
1: That's a good point. Why I, was I hiding I, it? Yeah. Right away.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a, You know, and everybody thinks that first responders are superheroes and strong and we don't have emotions. And
1: I think that people just, from the outside anyway, like I know my perspective before, you know, we were together and I really got to hear the inside of what it's like, you know, it just never really occurred to me, I guess, what first responders witness and go through. It was more so like, um, you know, you see a car accident, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess my response to that was more like, oh my gosh, I hope that the people in the car are okay. I never stopped to think, oh my gosh, I hope the first responders are okay after what they're seeing. And I don't mean it in like a selfish way. Like it just hadn't occurred to me that perspective. So I'm really glad that you know, we're voicing this mm-hmm. and, and hopefully bring awareness. To and now side. when we
0: drive around and we see stuff like that, we immediately think about the first responders and we pray for them. And, and mm-hmm. now we get it. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, that was just, that was just the first call, right? Not that it was over the top crazy or anything like that, yeah. but it was my first. Right. And I didn't handle my first one. Right.
1: And it set a tone and it
0: set a tone and I just continued that same path. And we'll get into that in the next episode. Um, Again, we're going to separate this story because it's going to take a few episodes. But I think now is probably a good ending point. Yeah. And uh, we'll jump in right into the story next time. So look forward to episode two coming out soon. And go and close this out there, beautiful.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. We're so grateful. And we'll catch you in the next episode.
0: Thank you.